1: Good morning. Welcome to "Say What yeah. a Bad Shirt." <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> it's funny I don't normally get that greeting every week. Um, so thankful. So grateful for you being here worshiping with us today, grateful all of you here at our Bonnie Oaks campus. I also like to welcome those of you at our Creekside service, our North Udawa campus, Bridges service, St. <coughs> Elmo, and all of you that may be worshiping online. Um, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm Tony Walliser, I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege today to share with you God's Word. So this one I want to encourage all of you to do. Go ahead and take your Bibles and open up to the Gospel of John, John chapter 5, you can turn to John chapter 5, you've got a smartphone, you can open that app to John 5 as well. And then do this, take out these Bible study outlines that we provide for you. We give you these outlines so you can follow along and take notes as we study God's Word together. We are in a short little series in the Gospel of John where we're looking at encounters that Jesus has with different people. And any time that somebody encounters Jesus, it always leads to a life change. And last week, we saw this man who was born blind, that Jesus literally, you know, changed his entire world. And today, we're going to be looking at a very interesting story of a man who's been stuck on a mat for 38 years, and Jesus is, in essence, going to ask him, do you want to get unstuck? Has there ever been a time in your life when you feel like you've been stuck? I mean, I can remember whenever I was um, 16 years old, had my driver's license, I was footloose and fancy free. And one night I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, go scope out an area one night um, for a party for me and my friends where we could hang out. Now, in Florida where I grew up, there was a lot of undeveloped neighborhoods out, you know, in the boonies. And so what you could do is you could drive through a neighborhood and then you could drive down these dirt roads and you could just really get lost in these, you know, undeveloped areas. And the only problem about doing that in Florida is there's this thing called Florida sand. And it's real easy to get stuck in the sand. And so suddenly, I find myself getting stuck, and so I'm trying to go forward and backwards and forward and backwards, and basically, I'm just getting more and more stuck. I got stuck all the way up to my axle. And so, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then, so I had to get out of my car. It's the middle of the night, go to the closest house I could find, knock on their door, wake them up, and then, you know, say, hey, can I borrow your phone so I could call a, um, a wrecker, you know, come out here and tow me out. And um, the guy goes, what are you doing here? And I go, well, I got lost, which is partially true. But, you know, I was really up to no good. And so, um, so you know, it was embarrassing. You know, I call for a wrecker. It, you know, it was very costly to get him out there in the middle of the night. And, but I had to do it. Why? Because I was stuck. Have you ever been stuck before? Maybe not stuck in the sand, but stuck in life. And maybe what got you stuck is maybe some physical problem you're going through. Or maybe it was some relationship breakdown that happened. Or maybe it was a financial decision that you made that really devastated your life. Or maybe there's some emotional wound that you've been carrying for a long time. Or maybe there's some addiction that you just continue to carry in your life. And so the question for you today is the same question that Jesus asked this man in John chapter 5. And that is, do you want to get unstuck? And so let's look at our story together. It's found in John chapter 5, beginning verse 1. Notice what God's word says. After this, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem by the sheep gate. In Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five um, colonnades. Within these lay a large number of disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. That's almost four decades. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, "'Do you want to get well?' "'Sir,' the disabled man answered, "'I I have no one to put me in the pool, and the water is stirred up. But, "'But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me.'" "'Get up,' Jesus told him. "'Pick up your mat and walk.'" Instantly, the man got up, picked up his mat, started to walk. Now, the day that the Sabbath was the Sabbath. And so the Jews, that's the religious leaders, said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you to pick up your mat. Isn't it amazing that religious people, you know what they do? They, they don't care if you've been sitting on a mat for 38 years. They don't care if you've been disabled and you finally get to walk. No, you broke one of their rules, right? And, and so what is his reply in verse 11? He replied, The the man who made me well told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you to pick up your mat and walk? They asked him. But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you're well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. Now, let me set this up for you. What you have here is um, Jerusalem was surrounded by the walls, and one of the gates of the walls is called the Sheep Gate, and that's where the sheep would come through. And there was a pool near that gate. And that pool, I mean, I've been to Israel before. I've seen the, the ruins, the archaeological ruins of that place. In fact, I'm going to be back in the Holy Land in 10 days, probably see that place again. And so, you know, there's this place there, and there was the pool there, and it was sort of this uh, artesian spring. And so, because it was a spring kind of pool, what would happen is, occasionally, it would just sort of bubble up. And so, there was this myth that surrounded that pool. Oh, when it bubbles up, that's an angel touching it, and the very first person that jumps in the pool will be healed. Now, that was a myth. Nobody ever got healed, but all these people would, you know, gather around the pool of Bethesda. That that literally means, Bethesda means house of mercy or house of grace. And so here's this guy for 38 years who's been stuck. And what Jesus does for him is what he can do for you and I. He can get us unstuck. How? Well, first, let's answer this question. Jot this down. Number one, first of all, what is it that keeps you on your mat? What is it that keeps you on your mat? I once heard Christine Kane use an illustration before with a mat. I thought that would be a good one for this um, sermon today. You see, the mat is going to represent that thing that um, keeps you down. The mat's going to be that thing that, that is sort of the, your stronghold, your difficulty, your pain, your heartache. What is it that keeps you on the mat? So look at it. Jesus says to this man, check it out, verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and realized he'd been there a very long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Now, do you understand how insensitive that probably is? I mean, think about it. Here's a guy who's been 38 years on this mat. And, you know, and Jesus comes to him and says, Do you really want to get well? Now, I mean, think about it. You know what Jesus is saying? Is Jesus saying, Look, you keep coming to this place, nobody here ever gets healed. You just keep doing, you, know, you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. Nobody gets healed in this place. You keep coming here. D- do you really want to get healed? Now, that may seem pretty insensitive to a lot of people, right? I mean, if that happened today, I mean, it, it, it on social media, hashtag mean Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Jesus being mean to people. Why? Because our world wants to say, hey, you got a mat? Oh, wow. Let's see your mat. Let's talk about your mat. Let me just... Comfort you on your mat listen to me Jesus is sympathetic for what you're going through but Jesus wants you off the mat he wants you healed in your life now listen the very same thing that will hold you hold this man down is the very same thing that will hold you down so what is that job this on your outline number one what keeps you on your mat is gathering with other mat dwellers <laughs> gathering with other mat dwellers right who was it that was around this pool well it was just a bunch of other people just like him right Verse 3, within these lay a large number of the disabled, the blind, the lame, and paralyzed. Now, again, remember, nobody's getting healed at this pool. It's all a myth. But they're all grouped together thinking, okay, hey, you know what? Let's hang out. This is where we can be. I mean, you've probably heard this before, that misery loves company, right? And so what do we do? I'm miserable, so I need to find somebody else that's miserable so we can be all miserable together, right? I mean, that's human nature, see it all the time. In the church, you can have a gossip. Guess what? They'll find the other gossips in church. At work, you get the complainers, and they'll find the other complainers, and they'll hang out at work. You get the naysayers, they'll find the other people to be negative with. People are always looking for somebody like themselves. Why? So that they can be okay just the way they are, and they'll never have to change. Listen to me. Our world will accept you on your mat do you know why because they don't want you off your mat jesus wants you off your mat he wants to change your life okay so the reason why we never get off our mat is because you know what (laughs) we just hang around with a bunch of other mat dwellers all the time second reason why we don't get off our mat is this jot this down we have a victim mentality we have this victim mentality I mean, it's crazy that it seems like we're raising an entire generation of victims, that it's nobody's fault anymore. And and what we want is, we're like, hey, I've got this issue. You need to celebrate me in this issue. And you know, does Jesus celebrate people with a victim mentality? No, he calls us out. In fact, look at it. Look what he says in verse 5. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he'd been there, already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Now, now think about this. What was Jesus saying? He's basically saying to this guy on this mat, he's basically saying this. He's saying, do you really want to be healed? I mean, you're at this pool thinking you want to get healed, but honestly, do you really ever want to change? Because if you're going to want to change, if you really want to change in your life, it's going to require some things. You got to remove from what is comfortable to maybe do something uncomfortable. You got to leave those people that, you know what, accept you for just the way you are because Christ wants to carry you to be something greater than what you are. That you know, maybe you have to change different friend group. We have to change different things that you're listening to, right? I mean, you're going to have to take on responsibility when it's just really easy to play the victim all the time, right? And so Jesus calls this guy out. Why? Because healing requires you to make some changes in your life. You see, the problem is, is that in our culture today, victims are applauded. And I'm not saying that there's not hurt and pain and sorrow and difficulty that people go through. They do. But what the world does is the world says, hey, you know what, this is now my identity. And what's so sad, do you know any people like that? That they are known more by their issue than they are their name, right? I mean, you know that the Bible's filled with people like that, that Jesus healed. We don't know their name, but we know their issue, in Luke chapter 8, there is a woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name, but we know her issue. In John chapter 8, we have the woman who's caught in adultery. We don't know her name, but we know her issue, right? And, and last week, in John chapter 9, there's a man who was born blind. Don't know his name, but we know his issue. You know, uh, you, you have in, in, um, in Mark chapter 1, you have the, the leper. In Mark chapter 5, you have the demoniac. All these people, we know their names, but we don't even know We know their issue, but we don't even know their names. Why? Because so many people are identified with their issue. But let me remind you of something. You are not your issue. That is not your identity. Your identity is now in Jesus Christ. It is not in this world. It's not in your stronghold. It's not in your struggle. That is not you, okay? You are not your issue. In fact, do this. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are not your issue. You are not your issue. You're not your issue. You see, the Bible says that we, that God redeems us from the pit, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You don't have to live a life of a victim. So what keeps us on the mat? Hanging out with a bunch of other mat dwellers. Basically living a life of a victim. I can't ever change. This is just who I am. Third thing that keeps us on the mat is this. Jot this down. Blaming others. Blaming others, right? We always like to play the blame game. So think again, and here's this story. Jesus sees this man. This man's been on this mat for 38 years. And Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? Now, you would think immediately what what this guy's reply would be, absolutely, Jesus, yes, I want to be healed. What's it going to take? I will do whatever you want me to do, Jesus. I want to be healed. Does he do that? No. He plays the blame game. Look at it. Verse 7. Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, somebody goes down ahead of me. See, Jesus, the reason why I'm not healed is because of other people. Nobody's helping me. Nobody's caring for me. You know, other people are pushing me aside and jumping ahead of me. Oh, it's, it's not my fault. It's their fault. Can I just tell you, as long as you're blaming other people for your issues, you're never gonna change. I mean, that habit goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. remember whenever God confronts Adam and Eve, confronts Adam for his disobedience, what did he say? What's that woman you gave me, right? Always, and it's the same way. Well, I'd stop drinking if she would stop nagging, right? Or, you know, um, know, I'd work harder at work if I was ever appreciated. Or I'd make better grades if my teacher liked me. I I can't change. This is just who I am. I'm born this way. Can I tell you something? We're all born broken. I'm broken. You're broken. We're all born broken, folks. We are. That's why Jesus Christ came. He came to heal our brokenness and help us overcome our sinful habits. But you may go, Pastor Tony, you don't know what they did to me. I don't know. But I do know what Jesus did for you. So why don't you make what Jesus did for you greater than what anybody else did to you? Make sense? Years ago, Doctors Minerth and Meyer wrote a book called Happiness is a Choice. Classic great book. They had this quote. They said, As psychiatrists, we cringe whenever patients use the words, I can't. Any good psychiatrist knows that I can't is merely a lame excuse. We insist that our patients stop saying I can't and say, I won't instead. One is an excuse, the other is the truth. You, you see, the fact is, is that You can't keep making excuses for bad behavior. There was a phrase that God used in my life to help me overcome a lot of my excuses. And it's just simply this. It's like the Lord, I think, spoke to me this one day. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. In fact, turn to the person next to you and just say that to them. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Now, the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? I need to take responsibility. Now, many of you know my story. I was raised the son of an immigrant. I was raised in poverty. When I graduated from high school, I may at best had a 12th grade reading comprehension. Um, I was an alcoholic, sexually immoral. I flunked out of college, complete failure. And it was everybody else's fault. And then I got saved, felt called by God. And I knew I need to start taking responsibility and seek after the Lord in my life. And so I left Florida, moved to Texas to go to college. I had to work my way all the way through college. It took me a lot longer because I had no scholarships, no financial help. But by the time I finished my master's degree, I was making straight A's. Why? Because I determine that, you know what? With Christ's help, I can take responsibility. I can quit blaming other people and take responsibility for my own life. What will keep you on your mat is just hanging out with a bunch of mat dwellers, playing the victim, blaming somebody else. That will always keep you down. You'll be stuck and you'll never change. So how do you change? Well, look at the second part of the sermon today. How do you get unstuck? How do you get unstuck? You see, what we want Jesus to do for us, we want Jesus to come down in the mat with us. And we sort of expect Jesus to go, tell me all about this mat. Tell me, tell me, who is it that hurts you? Tell me, uh, who is it that hasn't been helping you out? Tell me all about, who are those people that keep getting in front of you? But Jesus doesn't play that game. Jesus calls us out whenever we're stuck on the mat. So how does he do that? Well, the very same thing that he does to this man is the very same thing that we've got to do. See, we got to quit making a hero of the mat and start making a hero of our master, Jesus Christ. How? Three things. Jot this on your outline. Number one, you got to believe that Jesus is greater than your situation. You got to believe that Jesus is able. He is greater. He's bigger than your circumstance. See, if you don't believe that God can change you, you'll never change. Well, I, I've had this addiction for five years. I've had this addiction for 10 years. I've had this addiction for 38 years. The reason why we say the same is we really do believe that Jesus can't change us. I'm telling you, he can change you. He can. He can rescue you. Years, uh, years ago, there was a prison. It's become abandoned, and basically it's in British Columbia, and they recently tore it down. But when they tore down this prison, it was real interesting that there was this surprising discovery because what they discovered was that even though the, the, the doors were really heavy and thick and, and the windows had these two-inch steel bars on it, the majority of the walls were made with clay and paper. Yeah. I mean, they just painted over it and make it look like iron walls and, and yet any time Somebody, if they really wanted to escape, could have pushed on the walls and escaped. But they never did. Why? Because they thought, well, uh, you can't escape. It's called victimhood. It's defeatism. I can't. It's impossible. See, even whenever Jesus is talking to this man and says, do you want to be healed? You know what he immediately does? He talks about the pool. Well, Well, I can't get in the pool and nobody's helping me in the pool. And somebody gets in front of me whenever they get in the pool. It's the pool. It's the pool. It's the pool. Listen to me. This world's pools cannot help you. Christ alone can rescue you. Jesus alone will deliver you. And so you got to get your focus off the world's pools and what everybody else is looking for for life and turn to Jesus. He will be the one that will heal you. In what way? Well, look at what Jesus does. He gives this man a command of faith. Look at it, verse 8 Get up, Jesus told him, instantly. The man got well. Imagine, here's this guy for 38 years. Somebody's been carrying him by this pool. Somebody's been taking care of him. And now, miraculously, with the command of Jesus Christ, he gets healed. What's the point? Jesus can do that. There is no circumstance in your life that is beyond the ability. Nothing's impossible with Jesus Christ. And so, believe by faith. Okay, Jesus, you give me the command. I'm going to get up. Okay? Okay? Second thing, first, get up. Secondly is this, jot this down. You need to pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. Look at what Jesus says, verse eight. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got up, picked up his mat and started walking. Now, what I find interesting about this story is that Jesus tells him not only to get up and walk, but Jesus tells him to pick up his mat. I mean, I was sort of expecting Jesus to say, get up, leave your mat here, and go home, right? He doesn't say that. He says, get up and pick up your mat. Why? Because Jesus wants you to know that that thing that once held you, you now hold. The thing that once carried you, you know what? You now carry the thing that was once, you know, the object of your identity and victimhood, no, you now carry because you're more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Now, that's what I really, I praise God for my wife in so many ways. Um, but this is one of those areas. It, many of you may know my wife was um, sexually abused as a child. And that abuse crippled her in a lot of ways. But she came to the point in her life where she no longer lived, focused on her abuser. She decided that I'm not going to live as a victim anymore. And she started talking more about what Jesus did for her on the Calvary than what her abuser did for her in the past. And she learned to forgive and release her herd and expectations to the Lord. And she picked up her mat And she started walking with Jesus and suddenly that became a testimony of the grace and power of Almighty God. See, that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to take your test and turn it into a testimony. Let me just ask you, what on earth is worth 38 years of your life? Now you may go, well, Again, pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. I don't know, but I know what Christ has done for you. I'm not trying to minimize any hurt in your life. Golly, I know this is a broken world. We get hurt, we do. But but at some point, we've got to decide, hey, either I'm gonna keep living in the past and in failure, or I'm gonna decide I'm gonna walk with Jesus in victory. Jesus is bigger than your past. And so what do you gotta do? Get up by faith. I'm going to believe you, Jesus. I'm repenting. I'm trusting you, Jesus. You pick up that thing that once held you, and you said, I'm going to start walking with this thing. I'm not just resting on it anymore. But then there's a third thing. Jot this down. Number three is this. You start walking with Jesus. You start walking with Jesus. You stay off your mat, and you say, I'm going to learn to walk with Jesus. Check it out. Look at how Jesus says this, verse 8. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. And then in verse 14, Jesus found him where? In the temple, walking. Now, what's really cool about this is that the Pool of Bethesda is just right around the corner from the temple. This guy, for 38 years at least, has never been in the temple. And so, first thing, he gets healed. And so, what does he do? He goes to the temple to worship. He goes to the temple, he's walking around the temple, and there's Jesus, finds him in the temple. And that's what you gotta do. Once you pick up your mat, you say, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna start following you, I'm gonna walk with you, I'm gonna seek you, I'm gonna pursue you, and I'm gonna walk with you in the temple. I'm gonna learn how to follow you, Jesus. And that's whenever you really are changed. In fact, see this up on the screen. You can come as you are to Christ, but you don't stay where you are. Make sense? Christ says, come as you are, right? But you don't stay where you are. He says it's time for you to change now. Now, in what way? Well, check out this verse. I I love verse 14. Again, it seems a little harsh, but again, notice what Jesus says to this guy. Verse 14, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. You go, whoa, Jesus, man, that's sort of harsh, isn't it? Why are you calling this guy out? You just healed him. I mean, you go, something worse is gonna happen to you? What could be worse than laying on a mat for 38 years? Well, let me tell you. I mean, I'm gonna use different words. I don't believe it changes the meaning, but let me use different words to help you understand what I believe Jesus is doing here. Imagine this. Jesus finds this man in the temple and he says these words to him. You need to repent of your sins. Trust in me. And if you don't, something worse than what you've experienced you will experience in your future. What is that? Eternal separation from Almighty God. Do do you follow that? Because what that is, that is the gospel. Jesus says to every person on this planet, he says, repent and believe, follow me, because if you don't, something worse than 38 years on a mat is going to happen to you, you're gonna spend eternity separated from God. See, that's the whole point of this miracle. This miracle is pointing to a greater miracle. You see, this man was not yet saved. Verse 13 tells us he didn't even know who Jesus was. And so Jesus finds this man who he's healed and says, you need to now experience a greater healing. In fact, look at this up on the screen. Your salvation is far more important than your physical healing. I'm thankful that God physically heals people. But listen to me, every person that's physically healed is going to get sick again in the future and eventually die. Every person Jesus healed in the Bible got sick again and eventually died. There is a greater healing that God wants to give you and that is your salvation. And so, Jesus says, okay, I'm calling you now to repent and believe in me. See, that's what was happening here. All, 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 you had all these people around the pool, Jesus only heals one man. Why? For, for that's just one healing? No, he was pointing to a greater healing. Because, here's the deal, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, Every person around that pool can now be healed. Every person in this room through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ can now be healed. Every person on this planet who calls on Jesus Christ can now be healed. And guess what? When you die, you're guaranteed a place in heaven and the kingdom of God and you'll never be sick again. That's the promise that Jesus Christ gives to you today. How? Through a spiritual healing. God wants to bring about a spiritual healing in your life. I want you to hear now a story of a man who grew up with a speech impediment and all his life, people have made fun of him. And then he has a spiritual healing and God uses it to get him off the mat. Check out the story of Johnny here.
2: Going through school was rough on me cause I got speech impediment cause I'm tongue tied. So I got made fun of in school a lot. So I didn't go to school a lot, didn't really like school. Uh, father other the kids making fun of me. I never learned how to read and write in school. I uh, never had a father, don't know who he is. And then as I got into my got up little teenage years, I started getting into drugs. I wound up with uh, over a thousand dollar a week drug habit. And that lasted for close to 20 years. And I had a sister who went to church and I called her about 11 o'clock at night, and I told her, I said, I'm thinking about suicide, I'm thinking about killing myself. I said, I can't live a life like this. I said, I can't do this no more. And she came got me, and she took me to the church. And there was a, uh, the pastor met us at the church. It was like 12 o'clock at night the time we got there. So he prayed with me, and I accepted Christ in my life at night. I had started going to church, and I asked somebody at church. I said, "What do I, what do I do? They said, you need to read the Bible. And I didn't tell them I couldn't read it right. I was kind of ashamed to. So my I asked my sister, and she gave me a Bible. And I opened it to Genesis 1-1. And I looked down the page, and I knew maybe three words on the page. And then I turned the page, and I would just read four or five words on each page I knew. And I prayed, and I said, God, I said, how am I going to learn to be Christian? How am I going to learn to change my life if I can't read this? And I was telling my mother that, I wanted to read the Bible, and she'd give me the Bible on tapes, and then I would listen to it. I would work on chapter 1, verse 1, and I'd try to memorize as much as I could. Then when I got to work and I had time, I would get my Bible out, and I would try to read it and remember what I had heard. I'd done that every day for about five years. He let me go back to school to get my GED, and then I went back to school, and I got a associate's degree in the- theology. A boy who never went to school with a thousand dollar week drug habit, couldn't read, couldn't write, couldn't talk plain. I think I started getting more confident and didn't care what people said and was able to say God forgive them because I know what they do is like I read in the Bible. When God told me he was gonna be my father and he began to teach me how to love, he showed me love and started teaching me how to love people. To that everybody made mistakes, even if somebody done me wrong, still love them. Still forgive them. Do like the Bible says. Pray for them who spitefully use you. And I would just encourage myself. God taught me, you're not that kid that never got loved. You're not that kid that got made fun of every day. You are my son now. And I will protect you and I will always be here for you.
1: Isn't that awesome? That's the power of Christ. I, I love those words he said that I would encourage myself with these words from God. You are no longer that kid that's being made fun of. You're no longer that kid that doesn't know who his dad is. You are now my child, and I'm never leaving you or forsaking you. Listen, God wants to change you. God wants to pull your life out of the pit. But what do you gotta do? You gotta repent and believe in Jesus Christ you got to pick up your mat and quit walking and living on it. And then you need to learn to start following Jesus. And I tell you, Jesus can work a healing miracle in your life just as he did in my life, just like he did in my wife's life, just like he did in Johnny's life. He can get you off the mat. But you got to believe. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for your word. I thank you for... Not leaving us in our pits, not leaving us on our mats, but God calling us out to more. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit will help us in this moment. You know every struggle, every stronghold that each person in this room has right now. And I'm asking in Jesus' name that you speak your words to them today. Get up, pick up, and walk with me. God, help us to do that today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast